So hey, we are glad to be back, and uh, I, and I just want to I just want to get right into the Word of God with you today. Have you ever heard of Internet Dad? Have you guys heard of this? I, I know it sounds like the lead into a dad joke. Some of you are like, mm, should we bite? Yeah, uh, it's real. He's real. Uh, his name's Rob Kenny. I've got a picture of him. That's Internet Dad right there. So Rob decided back in 2020 that. Uh, uh, this was right after the global pandemic started and everybody was isolated and staying at home. And so he just felt compelled to start a YouTube channel. He wanted to uh, just help people. He made practical videos, you know, like how to jumpstart a car, how to uh, declog a drain, you know, how to stop most toilets from leaking. And, and so he started making these videos to just be practical helps. And, uh, and his channel is called Dad, How Do I? And he also added some emotional uh, videos, like one of his videos is titled, I'm Proud of You. And, and he just steps in front of his, you know, his iPhone and he, he shoots these videos and he talks uh, to his audience as if he were talking to his own kids. Uh, he was hoping maybe 30, 40 subscribers, you know, that he could bless some people. <laughs> he way undershot his expectations. Uh, currently, he has 4.6 million subscribers. He's had over 20 million views. And so when Good Morning America did an interview with him, they referred to the 57-year-old as the internet's dad. And after that, he was flooded uh, with stories from all over, uh, people telling their, their, uh, their story about their parents, talking about broken relationships, talking about traumatic experiences in their life. Uh, Kenny had this to say. He said, it breaks my heart that so many people need my channel. Last Father's Day, he was flooded with Father's Day cards. Some handmade, all of them heartfelt, people thanking him for, for being their internet dad. Uh, let me just uh, say, I think that's a reflection on the world we're living in. There are a lot of people today that are in need of a father figure. There is a hunger that he's tapped into. And so let me just say to all the guys today, whether you're a dad or not, whether you're an old man, a young man, I think internet dad is onto something. I think he's tapped into something. We are experiencing a fatherless generation. There are so many people experiencing fatherlessness, whether it was abandonment or just disengaged father figures. I, I mean, it, it's no surprise to me that the month that we celebrate fatherhood is the month that has been hijacked by Pride Month, which is a celebration of rebellion to an identity that God, your father, bestowed on you and that your earthly father should have affirmed. And so I, I, just, I just think, you know, Internet dad's got something here. And, and so I, I, wanna, I wanna tell you what's better than internet dad, church dad. So can I, can I, just, can I just enlist all the men today? Again, whether you're a, a father or not, we need some church dads. We need some, some men that would recognize, like God's given me influence. I've got something to share. I've got something to say. I can put my arm around a younger person. It doesn't have to be on a, on a channel they subscribe to. I can be in proximity to some people that I can bless and encourage. And so I wanna challenge all of you guys today to enlist on this Father's Day. Say, you know what? I, I'll be a church dad. I'll lead the way. I'll lead the way and, and make an impact in somebody's life. You'd be amazed at what an impact you could have just by being a voice of strength and encouragement to somebody else. So today, on the day that is um, appropriately focused on the role of fatherhood, I wanna preach a message about a different relationship. I wanna talk about 
a role that I think is absolutely critical to your success, to my success in my role as a father. And the, the relationship that I wanna talk about today is friendship. Yesterday, we had our men's breakfast uh, yesterday morning and, and the lobby was full of guys. We had a great time. Everybody was eating good food. I'm not gonna talk about it because we're closer to lunch than the last service, but it was good food. And, and, and about half, half an hour into it, as always, you know, we get into the word of God. I got up to speak and, and it was like a roar. There was so much conversation and laughter and camaraderie going on. And, and I don't know if it's because I've been gone for the last two weeks and I just genuinely missed everybody or if it was what I was seeing and what I was hearing, but I, I'll tell you what I was hearing and seeing, friendship. Friendship, and, and it moved me. I mean, genuinely, it, it moved me. Like after the men's breakfast, uh, I, I went back upstairs uh, to do some work and I decided right then to, to just totally change my Father's Day message. And I wrote a new message yesterday uh, in the middle of the day that I wanna share with you because I think friendship is that critical. In fact, I, I wanna make a statement today that, that I wanna challenge you to wrestle with. Perhaps, now I don't want to overstate it, but perhaps the most significant spiritual discipline a man can develop in his life is to choose and make friends. Now, I know some of you, you're like, yep, you overshot. Like, now, what about, what about reading your Bible? Okay, that's important. Like, what about going to church? Yep, that's really important. Or what about, what about giving in the offering? Or, or praying, I mean, a prayer life, that's really important, right? All those things, yes, they are important. But here's the deal. I, I've been in church my whole life, 44 years old. Been in church 44 years and nine months. I mean, first trimester, I was in church. Like, you know, I've been in church my whole life. Womb to the tomb, I'm in. <laughs> it's Father's Day, you gotta give me some latitude on the dad jokes, right? Like. I get a free pass, right? I get a free pass. Come on. You ought to get a free pass on fathers. No eye rolls. I don't want any eye rolls today. Genuine belly laughter. That's what I'm looking for. Fake it for Father's Day. So well, here's the deal. I've known guys that they didn't do those things. They, they didn't attend church faithfully. They, they didn't really give sacrificially. They, they never really read their Bible. They didn't have much of a prayer life. And, and yet, you know, they, they never imploded their marriage. Like their, their kids turned out pretty good. They didn't destroy their family. Like they, they went through some difficult stuff because all of us go through difficult stuff. And, and yet, they, they made it through. And they made it through because they had other people in their life. They had men in their life to surround them, to pick them up when they fell. And can I tell you, the truth is, in all my years, I've known other men who did all those other things apparently well. They were in church every time the doors were open. They gave above the tithe. They gave to kingdom builders. They, they supported missional causes. They, they, they prayed well when we were in a prayer group setting. Like they, they read their Bible, or at least they knew enough of it. It seemed like they read their Bible pretty often, but, but then when they fell, and we all fall, they didn't have anybody there to pick them up. And they destroyed their marriage. And they destroyed their relationship with their kids. And I look at that and I think, man, maybe, just maybe, maybe the most important spiritual discipline that you could develop in your life is to choose and make friends. 
Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. We need friends. Proverbs chapter 12 says this, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Chapter 13 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. How many of you have wanted to tell that to your children? Like, you didn't know this verse, you didn't know where it was found, but you're like, I've been saying that for years. Like, quit hanging out with that knucklehead. Now you got a verse to back it up, Dad. A companion of fools suffers harm. You're going to get yourself kid. He's an idiot. Stop hanging out with that guy. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> Proverbs 22 says this. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Ooh, I bet I could pass the mic now. How many got a testimony about that? You're like, yep. Oh, I remember the one time my friend, yep, we've got those stories. Watch out, he says. You could get yourself ensnared. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. One more verse, Proverbs 17. 17 says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. You know, one of the best pictures that, that, that we have in scripture, and this is what was on my heart after our men's breakfast yesterday, was the relationship between David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. If you have a Bible, go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 23. I wanna show you a verse in just a moment, but while you're finding 1 Samuel 23, let me give you a little bit of the backstory. So Saul is the king in Israel. Uh, his son, Jonathan, obviously would be the heir apparent. He's the prince. Uh, but, but God had sovereignly chosen a young man named David to be the next king of Israel. And so uh, as David's growing up, uh, he, he gets some early popularity. And you, you are probably familiar at least uh, a little bit as a reference to the, the David and Goliath story. He slays the giant. Uh, man, the people are singing his praises. He goes and he begins to work in the palace. The, king, the king's daughter, Michal, falls in love with David, and they get married. And his son, uh, the king's son, Jonathan, he becomes fast friends with David. And even though, even though he's the next in line for the throne and, and David has been anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king, Jonathan is more interested in the will of God than he is in his own crown. And so he, he's just devoted to David. He, he likes the guy. In fact, it says this in chapter 19, verse one. It says, Saul told his son, Jonathan, and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David. So, so Saul's getting more and more irritated and frustrated with this guy because he's so popular and everybody loves him and he's, got a, he's ego tripping. And so he gets to the point where he wants to kill David, but his son, Jonathan... He, he likes David. A few chapters later, it gets so hostile that, that King Saul actually has 85 priests killed with a sword because he suspects that they're helping David hide from him. 
That's how intense it gets by the time we get to chapter 23. The manhunt is in full speed. Saul thinks he has David trapped inside of a city that has gates and bars, and he's like, oh, I got him now, and he's coming down on the city. David hears about it one more time, and he slips out into the wilderness. So he's hiding out in the wilderness in the mountain crags, and and it's in this moment in the story that Jonathan slips away from his dad and all of his army, and he goes out to find his friend. Just one verse I want to show you in the story today that reveals three things about friendship. Here's the verse, 1 Samuel 23, verse 16. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Three things I want to tell you out of this verse. Number one, a friend helps you find strength. And no doubt, if you've read this story before, there's no doubt that by now, Jonathan looks up to David. I mean, yes, he's the prince, but honestly, everybody in Israel looks up to David. I mean, this guy's a warrior. Uh, you know, a lot of times, if we don't really know the story well, you know, we, we give it the uh, cultural cursory reading in the David and Goliath story. It's, you know, it's the Rocky and the Russian story. It's the underdog story. And so we just assume he's outmatched, he's outgunned, he's outmuscled. But, but the truth is, when you read the scripture, you realize that David, this young man, he didn't just show up, you know, with his little, uh, you know, with his little Dennis the Menace slingshot. This guy was a marksman. I mean, he was Good, and Goliath was this huge giant. I mean, he's covered from head to toe in battle armor, and he has a shield bearer that's going in front of him that has one job, hold the shield, don't let anything hit me. And there's only one piece of his whole body that's not protected with armor, and it's right here. It's his forehead, except he's a giant. It's not even a forehead, it's a five head. I mean, he's got, his head's like this, <laughs> this big. Don't I roll, don't I roll. Don't, not today. Like, so David goes out there with confidence and he, and, he, and he takes a sling and a stone and he kills the giant and then he cuts the giant's head off. And I mean, this guy's killed bears and he's killed lions with his bare hands. And, and then when, when he catches eyes of Michal, Saul's daughter, actually Saul invited him to be his son-in-law. And the only reason he wanted him to be his son-in-law is so that he could charge him a dowry. And David said, I'm a poor boy, I don't have anything. He said, I tell you what I want. I want a hundred Philistine foreskins. And you can marry my daughter. David was like, no problem. He got his army together. He went out and killed 200 men and brought all their foreskins back. And he was like, he married the daughter of Saul. This guy was an incredible musician, a skillful musician played in the palace. Some of you are like, I'm looking this up. I can tell. I lost you already. Stay with me. Not only was he an incredible musician, but this guy wrote revelatory songs about God. And while he's writing these revelatory songs of worship about God, all the women of Israel are singing songs about him. So there's no doubt, like, Jonathan is looking up to David in this season of his life. But yet, you just read it with me. Verse 16 says, Jonathan went to David and helped him find strength in God. Can, can I just say to all of us today, don't ever believe that anyone is past the point of needing help. Don't ever think that somebody's outgrown the need for encouragement. Like, oh yeah, I, I, used, to, I used to need encouragement, but no, not, not anymore, I'm good. Like, it's me and Jesus, I'm golden. No, we all need 
encouragement. In fact, I, I can just tell you, I know personally several, several men all across this nation that are standing behind a pulpit just like this on Father's Day that would give their right arm for a Jonathan. They wish they had somebody in their life that would help them find strength. God wants you to encourage somebody. He wants to use you to, to encourage other people. It doesn't matter if they've served the Lord longer than you. It doesn't matter if they're older than you. It doesn't know, matter if they know the Bible more than you, if, if they seem to have it more together than you do. It doesn't matter if they've attacked a giant with nothing more than a slingshot in the past. The thing is, that was the past. Today's a new day. It might be a new season. It might be a dry season. It might be a season of struggle and difficulty and hardship. And here's the deal. Here's what I can say on good authority about us men. We like to conceal our feelings. We, we like to hide our emotions. We don't, we don't, we don't want to look weak. We don't want to put our guard down. And so, you know, get a stiff upper lip, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and all that jargon. And so then we come together and then we make this assumption. All the other guys feel the same way. I don't want to dare like call out your vulnerabilities by asking you how you're doing. And so what ends up happening is we get a, a bunch of wounded, lonely warriors sitting in a crowded room with nobody to talk to. And, and I just want you to understand today that it doesn't matter who you are, if you're David or if you're Jonathan in the story, if it's, if it's your greatest day or your, your lowest day of defeat, everyone needs encouragement. Everyone does. Hebrews 3.13 says this, Be in, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. I love that, I love that. Like how long should we encourage each other? As long as daily is today? That's how long we should be committed to encouraging one another. I gotta tell you a story that just, you know, as I said earlier, we were gone the last two weeks on vacation down in Florida. And so two weekends ago when Ron Rhodes was preaching here, we decided as a family, like, let's, let's just go visit a church. Like, and let me just say, what a blessing it is that maybe you've taken for granted. I don't know, maybe you don't, but what a blessing it is to get up on a Sunday morning and bring your family to church. Like, my house is Grand Central Station on Sunday morning. Like, we're all going different directions. We're all leaving at different times. Some have to be early to do this. Some are coming late for that. But man, it was so good to just get up on a Sunday morning, get all my family in one car, and, and just put on some worship music and talk and, and drive to church together as a family. So we did that. And uh, uh, we went to this church down in, in Florida, and, and we were there a little early. And so we're standing in the, in the sanctuary, music's playing, the countdown's going, you know. And then I, I met this, this couple, Ian and Lolly. They were in the seats in front of us. They started, we just started chatting, and what do you do? And we started talking, and what do you do? And, you know, those conversations. And so we hit it off, and Ian's actually uh, like the fourth highest ranked surfer in the world. He's really uh, got this surfboard business. And I was like, man, tell me. So I'm going to follow you on Instagram. I want to see your stuff. You know, that's awesome. So uh, later that night, I get a message on Instagram. It's Ian. And he's like, hey, we would love to have you and your family over for dinner tomorrow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite a couple other couples from the church. I'm like, I'm on vacation. <laughs> like, I don't have anything to do. Why not? And, and like some of you are thinking, my wife said, are you serious? <laughs> we don't know these people. I was like, yeah, we're on vacation. Let's, let's do it. So, so we went, we had, we had a great time of fellowship with those folks. And 
Uh, of course, you know, uh, like uh, good church greeters, man, they had us hooked. So the next Sunday, I'm like, we got to go back. I'm like, man, these people reached out. They loved us. We had a great time. Let's go back to that church. So we went back the next week, and Pastor Rod was up there. And right before the sermon, he said, I, I want to ask my new friends, Aaron and Day and, and your, your three daughters, would you all stand? And, and so we, we stood up there, and I'm not going to make you do it, but you felt like you're imagining. And I was like, okay. So we stood up, and he's, he began to just prophesy to me. He began to just speak a word of grace and encouragement and strength for our marriage, for our children, for just a season of refreshing. And then he began to lead his church. They prayed. They prayed for you. Like a South African pastor in a church in Florida praying for a pastor from Pennsylvania. Can I tell you, the body of Christ is global. Like it was a, it was a cool moment. But, but I just got to say, I mean, we had a lot of fun on the vacation, but, but those guys were on my heart because they encouraged me. Those men lifted me up. A friend helps you find strength. Let me tell you the second thing a friend does. A friend meets you where you are. Look at the verse again. Verse 16 says, Jonathan went to David. In other words, this didn't happen because they bumped into each other in the church lobby. Like, it, you know, it didn't happen because they just happened to be going, uh, you know, to the same place, you know, to get their oil changed or something. I mean, this was a 30-mile hike into the wilderness to find David. And getting in the wilderness 30 miles was just step one because you remember David's hiding. You know, you've all seen the footage in, in, in the Middle Eastern part of the world, you know, those, those caves and crags where the terrorists hide and we can't find them for like 10 years. That's where David was. And so this is a purposeful, intentional mission. Jonathan goes to find David where he is. He's traveling on a mission to seek out his friend. And here's the thing about us. Like some of us, we're good, we're good at encouragement when the opportunity presents itself. You know, like if you just happen to be in a conversation and somebody mentions a, a need or something, like some of you, you're good at it. And I thank God for it. You're more extroverted than maybe others of us. And you just, you just assert yourself like, like Ian did with me. And I'm like, that's, that's awesome. But what if, we, what if we had a church full of people that didn't just encourage people when the opportunity presented itself, but actually woke up every day recognizing that I have a mission from God to seek out and find someone to encourage them and strengthen them to build them up, to lift them up. I mean, this was not a moment for Jonathan that was born out of convenience. This was a moment that was born out of a covenant. And, and that's so key. And you see that if you go back to chapter 20 in the story, uh, the, I mean, Jonathan's dad was, you know, he was just losing his mind and the palace was, was just a powder keg. And David's like, I gotta, I gotta run. I gotta get out of here. He's gonna kill me. And before he leaves, Jonathan just connects with him. And he just has this conversation with David before he goes running uh, into the town. And it says in 1 Samuel 20, verse 42, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. Like just that statement right there is worth highlighting in your Bible. How awesome would it be to have that kind of a covenant with another friend to say, we have a sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. The Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back into the town. 
So this is what motivated Jonathan to, to break rank and to go out on a mission to find his friend and meet him where he was. It was a sworn friendship. And there's plenty of personal reasons not to go. I mean, in fact, when you read the story and what was happening, at one point, you know, uh, Jonathan brings up David at the dinner table and here's his father's response from the word of God. He says, Jonathan, you are a shame to your mother who bore you. Like, King Saul was not a fan of David. In fact, the next time Jonathan brings up David again, just, just kind of broach the subject, Saul took a spear and threw it at his own son. So Jonathan's got plenty of personal inconvenience reasons to not go and connect with his friend, but a friend meets you where you are. It's worth the inconvenience. As I was just thinking about this and writing this yesterday, I started thinking about one of, one of my best friends in the world. His name's Matt. Uh, he actually pastors a church in Lancaster City. I gotta pick, that's me and Matt. Usually when we get together, we do dumb stuff. Um, and so this was ice climbing. That's Matt about to go over a waterfall. That did not end well. I've got the GoPro footage to prove it. Um, he looks calm there, but you should see what happened next. Like we, we just like to go out and you know ice climb or rock climb or go hiking or whatever. So we, we tried a couple months ago to get together. Like called him up. How you doing, man? We've been playing phone tag. Finally, we got on the phone. We're like, man, let's get it on the calendar. Let's get together. What about next week? Eh, it doesn't work for me. Well, what does your next week look? No, nah, I got a missions trip. Well, what about your next? No, nah, I'm going to be out of town. Well, what do you have going on? No, nah, my daughter's coming home from college. No, nah, I've got, and it's, I mean, two months later, we put a date on the calendar. And I just say all that to, to acknowledge this. Like, I'm busy. Matt's busy. I guarantee if I ask you, how have you been? You're going to say, busy. Like, everybody's busy, right? Everyone is busy, but friendships are worth the effort. I'm not talking about just doing something out of convenience because, you know, the, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And how many times have you had a conversation with somebody said, we should get together? And then like a year later, we should get together. <laughs> and then six months later, we really should get together. You find them where they are. You know, another obvious application of this thought of a friend meeting you where you are means that they, they meet you where you are, not geographically, but it means they come with humility and grace. You know, what I love about being with my friends, I thank God I've got many friends in this church. I don't just mean we go to the same church. I mean, I thank God for friendship. And what I love about friendship is I don't have to fake an emotion I don't have. You know, you, you can just be who you are when you're with your when you're with your friends, you just, you just accepted for who you are. Jonathan met David where if he was coming to David, the mighty giant slayer, his heart was, I'm with you. We have a sworn friendship. If he's coming to the tired fugitive, I'm with you. We, we've got a sworn friendship together. Let me tell you the third thing that I saw in this verse. A friend points you to Jesus. Look at the verse one more time. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and he helped him find strength in God. That, my friends, is so important. I'm not talking today on Father's Day about just having uh, bros that you can watch the game with or, or day four of the US Open. Lord, help Rory. Sorry, I got distracted there. But, uh, 
I'm not talking about, you know, just somebody you can, you know, tinker under the hood with on the car. Like, that's great. That's awesome. And, and to be honest, like, we usually do friendship better that way, right, guys? Like, we, we want to be doing something else. We don't want to sit and stare at each other over a cup of tea. Like, that's so weird. We're like, <laughs> right? That's why, like, when you go into the restaurants that are kind of geared towards men, like, the TVs line all the walls. It's not that we don't like talking. We don't like looking at each other. There's a difference. I don't want to look at you. I'll ride in the kayak next to you. You know, I'll belay for you. I don't want to look at you. But a friend points you to Jesus. Here's the thing I've discovered over the years. There's a lot of men and, and, and women. This, this bears out in your life as well. A lot of us have Christian friends, but we don't actually have Christian friendships because God never comes up in anything. Like, he's not a part of the conversation. Like, I, I go to church, you go to church, you, you have your thing with God, I have my thing with God. But that's never a part of the friendship. And when Jonathan comes to David, he doesn't just help him find strength. He's not trying to be Dr. Phil. He's not trying to be his psychologist. He's not trying to, you know, help him work through his issues, lay him down on the couch and talk him through it. No, he came to help him find strength in God. And can I just say to you what it, what it looks like or what it doesn't look like rather is, is you know, you don't have to sit down and do a, an hour and a half Bible study together for it to be a Christian friendship. You don't have to quote scriptures back and forth or, or, or just, just gather for a prayer meeting all the time. Look, you can do a multitude of things, but come on, man, at some point, like, there's a word of encouragement. There's, you know, you could pray for them. You could, you, you could remind them of God's faithfulness in a situation. You can give them counsel that, that is aligned with the word of God versus the, the stupid thing that they're maybe trying to, to go in a different direction. So important that in our friendships, we help them find strength in God. The last Sunday I preached here was three weeks ago, Memorial Day, and I preached about 1 Corinthians 14.1. Some of you might remember. It says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And the reason that Paul says we ought to desire the gift of prophecy especially is because when you prophesy, you strengthen, you encourage, and you comfort the body of Christ. Can I just say on Father's Day, we need a lot of men eagerly desiring the gift, the ability to strengthen, encourage, and comfort, and then eagerly pursuing each other in friendship. We need that. I need that. You need that. So how do we do it? How do we do it? I'll just show you how Jonathan did it. And I'm gonna ask the worship team to come. We're gonna close in just a moment. Verse 17, when he gets to his friend, he says, don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. And I'll be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. So, so what did he do? He met with his friend and he took him all the way back in his mind's eye to 1 Samuel chapter 16, that moment where the prophet Samuel pulled out the oil and he looked at David and he said, this is the one. This is the one God has chosen. Like God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for you. Let me take you all the way back, friend, to the moment when you weren't questioning your future. Let me take you all the way back, friend, to the moment where you were certain about God's goodness and God's love and God's plan and God's purpose for your life. He said, don't be afraid. God is faithful. And then he said, and I'm your friend. Like, don't be afraid. 
You will be king, and I'm going to be right by your side. I'm with you. I'm your friend. Maybe, just for your consideration, maybe the most significant spiritual discipline that you could cultivate in your life would be choosing and making friends. So as we get ready to end the service, I, I, wanna, I wanna pray for all of us in that relational tension because here's my heart's desire. I don't want anyone, I don't want anyone to come to this church, men, women, students. I don't want anyone to come and be a tired, spiritually exhausted, wounded warrior in the army of God sitting in a crowded room with no one to talk to. And, and I thank God for this church. Like this, this is a loving church. I, I know that because we get feedback all the time from people. And I know everybody doesn't have the same experience, but we get feedback all the time from Aubrey's team, from our greeters and from the hospitality team and first time guests fill out surveys. And the one thing we keep hearing people say all the time is, man, I, it's a friendly church. It's a friendly church. Now, if we weren't friendly to you, I'm sorry. Stop scowling at us. Maybe we'll be nicer. <laughs> you know, some people have that buzz off look and they're like, and they're like nobody talked to me. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. You stiff armed the usher. Uh, anyway, uh, but here's the thing. I, I know I'm not, I'm not naive to think that like, oh, everybody's, everybody here has friends. Every, you know, no. But here, my hope would be that anybody that comes to this church would have the experience that I had as a first time guest two weeks ago where some guy that didn't know me from Adam just welcomed me, welcomed my wife, welcomed my kids, greeted us. It was crazy. Uh, after the second Sunday, we went back, and of course, we had had dinner together, and we, we went out surfing. He, he taught my girls uh, some surfing. It was really fun. But, so we're leaving the last Sunday, and my new friend, I've only known him two weeks, my new friend, Ian, he said, I love you. And you know what? I felt that. Like, I, I felt that. And probably part of the reason I felt the weight of it is because of how most of us guys are not good at those kind of sincere moments. So my, my prayer for you today is that, that you would know, that you would know that you have a sworn friendship that I, I, wanna, I wanna come and help you find strength in God. And just before I pray for all of us, I just want to pray a specific prayer and uh, just bring the music down a little bit. Here's what the Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. One who has unreliable friends comes to ruin. Can I just say, maybe that right there is the application for some of us today. Like as I'm talking about godly friendships, maybe some of you know, like the fr my friend group, the people I'm hanging out with, I don't mean when you clock in, I mean when it's your choice where to spend your time. The people you're hanging out with, if you're honest today, you go like, my, <laughs> I'm in the wrong friend group. My friendships are ruining my life. They're taking me in a direction I shouldn't go. And maybe for you, the, the practical application today is like, I, I gotta choose friends wisely. You might have to make some hard choices. And I don't mean looking down on people or saying, I'm too good for you anymore. You understand. But you gotta live your own life. 
You gotta choose who to surround yourself with. And sometimes it means a difficult decision to say, hey, I love you guys, but I'm not coming this Friday night. Like, I know how the weekend plays out from that decision. Changing my friend group. But it says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Can I tell you who that friend is? I think you know the answer. The one that sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. He's the one that said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's the one that came to where you are. He stepped down out of the glory of heaven. He laid aside his heavenly privilege to meet you where you are to help you find strength in God. Jesus said, no greater love has anyone than this, but that one would lay down their life for their friend. And he did it. And he didn't just lay his life down. Jesus said, not only do I lay my life down, but if I lay it down, I can take it up again. And he did it. Jesus came to where we are, died in our place, and rose from the dead. And 40 days later, when he was getting ready to ascend back up into heaven, he told his disciples, I'm gonna send my spirit so that I can be with you always. Like right now, I'm limited geographically to this body. I'll meet you at this time and at this place, but when I go to heaven, I'm sending my spirit because I wanna be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I mean, I am always here for you. And I just wanna, I wanna pray a prayer for someone today that might be here and you're going, you know, I don't have that relationship with Jesus. Like, I don't, I don't know Jesus personally and, and intimately as my friend. Can I invite you today? Surrender your life to him. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Lord's not a word that we use outside of the Bible in our American culture, but it really means the leader. Like it means he's in charge. And, and you know, the old adage is true. If, if you don't make Jesus Lord of all, he won't be Lord at all. Like there's only one way the relationship with deity works. You're God, I'm not. You're in charge, I'm not. So if you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life today, but you know you need to make that decision, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you right now and invite you to just begin a, a relationship that is gonna add more life and more joy and more peace and more vitality to your daily existence than any other relationship you could build. Would you just bow your head with me? I want to pray for you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask this question right now. If, if that's you, you're in this service, man, woman, young, old, you're in this service and you say, Pastor Aaron, I, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. But today, I sense God calling me into that relationship Friends, this is not about my words. I'm not trying to twist anybody's arm right now. I, I don't want to twist anybody's arm. If you're sitting in that seat and you sense God is calling you into a relationship that begins with total surrender, I want to pray for you. I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I want you to just lift up a hand because this is a, this is a declaration. This is a moment of saying, Jesus, I'm drawing a line in the sand of my life. I'm stepping 
I'm stepping across right now in this moment. If that's you, when I count to three, one, two. Please, friends, don't, don't, try, to, don't try to fix stuff. Don't, don't make a promise to God. If I, once I get this right, I'll come. He, just, he says, come home. The Father's heart just says, come home. If that's you, three, three. Raise your hand right now and say, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm surrendering everything to Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Once you've raised your hand, you can put it back down again. Come on, church, you ought to be getting excited right about now. People are giving their lives to Jesus. Anyone else wanna join these and just say, yes, yes, yes. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you. Can we all stand together all over this room? God, I thank you that right now, the, the Father, the perfect Father, who I mean, the, best, the best of us, Lord, the best dad in this place is but a poor reflection of your perfect Father heart. And we sense your call. We sense your, your grace coming to us, running to us today. Forgiveness, a, a new start, a new beginning. God, we... For those that just raised their hand, and maybe for anyone here, they didn't, they didn't raise their hand, but in this moment, you're still pulling, you're still tugging. Lord, in this moment, Lord, we just surrender to you. Come on, if that was you, just pray this prayer with us. We're gonna pray it with you. Come on, church. Say, dear God, I give you my life. Amen. Now, that was a short prayer. It's not the last one you need to pray, but it's the most important one. It's where you start a friendship with Jesus surrender. I give you my life. Now I want to pray for the church. God, help us to be like Jonathan. Many of us, were praying that prayer from a place of needing a Jonathan. But God, we don't want to leave this service just thinking about what other people should have done that would have changed our story. We want to hear your word and have you work in us. So God, would you make us a room full of Jonathans who would go to meet a friend where they are and to help them find strength in God. Lord, I pray today for, for those that, that, that are having a hard day. I know Father's Day hits a lot of people differently. God, help us to just be embraced in this closing moment by the love of a heavenly father. Thank you that you heal our wounds. You comfort us. Thank you that, Lord, you, you fill in the, the holes and the gaps. God, I thank you that for some of us who, who have lost a, a father, Lord, I, I thank you that there's a, a, great, a great reunion in our future. God, I thank you for your presence in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.